technical issue. We are live, folks. Today, I will be talking about the Homestead Apprentice with John Willis of SOE Tactical Gear. How you doing, John? I've got an echo here. Sorry, man. I'm not. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. You got your echo clear up? I'm closing windows, but I think this is mine. Okay. okay. I think we're good. All, All right. right. All right, cool. We're going to be talking about a program that John has put together. Uh, at his place called Homestead Apprentice. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute with John. Before we do real quick, I want to uh, take care of my sponsors today. This is an episode of the podcast. If you happen to be catching this on John's channel, don't worry. We will uh, be on to the main topic in just a bit. Anyway, guys, if, uh, if you are like a lot of people that listen to the Survival Podcast, you're probably a dog owner. And being a dog owner can be a great blessing or it can be a curse. And it all depends on how well you've been trained to train your dog. If you ask any good dog trainer what is the hardest species they work with, they won't tell you like a, a, a Great Dane or a, a, a Golden Retriever. They'll say a human, right? Mm -hmm. Because training the human is the hard part. That's, that's what you have to get right. Dogs are easy. They follow rules. Humans break rules. So what you need to do is get trained to train your dog. With Canine Academy, you can do just that. I work with Joel Riles personally to put this program together. It's awesome. And I recommend everybody start out with the core obedience course, because no matter what you want your dog to do, it all starts with core obedience. You want a hunting dog, core obedience. You want a guardian dog, you want core obedience. You want a protection animal, you want core obedience. You want an animal that just doesn't eat your stuff on your homestead, you want core obedience. So check it out today at canineacademy.com. Next up, hey, you know, you really should make sure that you are diversifying your wealth preservation strategy. And one way to do that is with precious metals like silver and gold. Now, where do I get my silver and gold? JM Bullion. Why? Well, they sponsored my show for a decade. That's a pretty good reason to do that. Uh, but they give all of my members and me, of course, a discount on purchases. Plus, they have better pricing than Monix and Apex. And I can get in touch with the president like that fast if there's ever a problem. So I don't know why you would get your silver and gold anywhere else. Check them out today at jmbullion.com. With that, let's get into this. John, thanks for hanging out while we uh, took care of our sponsors there. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. So we've had you on the show roundabout ways before with our Tuesday coffee chat with Nicole, but you've never been here as a guest before. That's so, correct. So, so, so for people that maybe haven't caught one of those uh, first Tuesday chats, can you tell people just a little bit, who is John Willis? So I run a company called Special Operations Equipment. We build nylon tactical gear. That all started as SEAL team and SF guys. Um, I have run that company for 35 years, and that has transitioned into lifestyle equipment and overland gear, as well as the military and nylon tactical gear. Left California, uh, moved to Tennessee. Like I tell people, get out of California. Uh, we left 20 years ago, moved here to work with three people and have a very small shop and never did intend to scale and grow it into what we did. Bought a piece of property that was very neglected, uh, abandoned building, 10,000 square feet on 10 acres of property. Never intended to put the company in here, never intended to have a, a big events and stuff here. And that has turned into Self-Reliance Festival, which is a kind of a little offshoot we're doing to get uh, better employees and more importantly, move people with like-minded beliefs to the community as property comes for sale. A lot of times 
um, especially in small towns. You're like all these outsiders from California, New York moving here and changing politics. Well, as those properties become available, how do we put people with our beliefs on those properties? And this is a good uh, work up to that. Very, very cool, man. So what is your background as it relates to homestead? We're here to talk about homestead apprentice, but like, was this something you always did or is it something that kind of happened as you built this company in Tennessee? So grandma, as a young child, grandma kept us when mom and dad were at work and she always, we lived in San Diego, right? Kearney Mesa, right by the big shopping malls kind of. Uh, but back then, the neighbor had chickens in the backyard and grandma had a greenhouse and grandpa was a carpenter, built uh, several shed workshops out there where he would take bicycles and lawnmowers and repair them and sell them at the flea markets and stuff. And they were always capturing water and always growing some of their own food. So as I got a little bit older, we lived kind of in a place called Tierra Santa and the outskirts of Tierra Santa, we were on the edge of it. So it was just wildland canyons, which used to be old bombing ranges. So we were running around with BB guns uh, as 10 and 12 year olds. We were running around as BB guns. And I think we probably decimated the West Coast songbird population. Um, we probably extincted some species back then. But we always had that that wild in our in our blood, right? Because we always were out there by ourselves. We get on BMX bikes at six o'clock in the morning and ride till dark and then have to come all the way back dark. And it seems like as a kid, we, it seems like in the old back 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, we were tougher. And I think it's just that we were dumber because we would go out with a, a mason jar with water. And that was the only water supply we had. And we, we never knew any different not to drink water out of puddles and ponds and stuff. And I don't recall ever getting sick, but I know if I did it now, I would be deathly sick from it. So <laughs> kind of kind of always had that. Um, I had a lot of reptiles, so I was breeding rabbits. Um, we were not supposed to have uh, farm animals where we were by any means. And I had ducks and rabbits. Um, and then we were using the manure from the, the rabbits for the garden at mom's house. And then when I moved here, all of a sudden, when we crossed state lines from California to Arizona, you just felt the freedom. We stopped at a, a gas station and bought $100 worth of fireworks and lit fireworks at the gas station. If you did that in California, you'd have been like, there'd have been a SWAT team, right? Oh yeah. So moving here, we're like, what can we do? And, and my friend James Yeager is why we moved here. He's like, you can do anything you want. <laughs> and literally we do stuff on a daily, well, a weekly basis now that you would literally have police called on you in California. Like we rent equipment. We don't have to do a land survey. We don't have to do a, a butterfly survey. We just do whatever we want. We live in a place with no controls, no regulations, no zoning, no codes. We light a fire that you will see. You'll see the flames of it two miles away from the bridge. And that fire burns for 10 days. And we just do anything we want to do. No, no harm, no foul, no victim, no crime is kind of how it is. You know, that's crazy how different things are by crossing a state line in this country today. Yes. And I guess that is part of the original plan. Like where I grew up in Pennsylvania, it was always that way. It's not so much anymore. I, I used to walk down the road with a rifle on my shoulder and have a neighbor like, Hey, come over here. You know, and you go, there's a groundhog in the garden. You shoot the groundhog for him. And today I'm pretty sure there the police would be called. And where I live now is a lot like what you're saying with the fireworks. The first year we were on this property, we were outside on like the third of July, the day before they people started with the fireworks early, 
And my wife goes, this is pretty cool. I'm like, the last time I heard this many explosions, people were shooting at me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is, it is kind of amazing. And like, I, you know, always touch base with local law enforcement. So we're under the sheriff's department out here. And the answer I got with, you know, what do we need to do was pretty much as long as you're not cooking meth, we don't give a shit. Yep. You know, and like, like we don't have time for any of the crap. And it's, it's crazy because it's not just state lines. Like what I do here in Dallas would same thing. I'd be in jail. Yeah. So uh, there's less and less places like this, but I, I like what you're doing and bringing people in to preserve it. Uh, we need to do as much of that as we can. And I guess that's part of your new program, Homestead Apprentice. Where exactly did the idea for this come from? So the idea actually came from Evan from Radio Made Easy. He's he's here quite a bit. Um, we do a lot of business together. And I have a 5,000-square-foot building kit sitting out here to add on to the 10,000-foot building. And he said, when are we putting that up? And I said, well, it's 85,000 in concrete. I, I can do a lot of other stuff with 85 grand right now. And he said, we should get some apprentices to come out and put that up. I'm like, that sounds cool. Uh, you put that together, and we, I'll, I'll be there. And that kind of transitioned into our friend Bob Lester, um, always business-minded. And he's like, I see a TV show out of this. I'm like, perfect. You guys put that together and I will show up, but you got to do the footwork. So they really are kind of the driving power behind that. He's talking to sponsors and, and major companies about that. Evan is kind of running social media. Austin is producing, uh, who's here now, Austin Davis in the comments there. He's my one of my video guys and cuts all of my, my short form content. So he's there's a team of guys behind there. Um, putting that together and driving that. And we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to run the gauntlet, which is the selection, which will happen right after Self-Reliance Festival, May okay. 5th and 6th, I believe. So the 5th and 6th of April? Um, the, 5th and, the 5th and 6th of May. May, okay. All right. Um, exactly how is this going to work? Like what, what is the, the plan for the program? Um, well, we're going to bring them out. We're, we're going to bring out a, a lot of people, 50 guys, and then we're going to run a gauntlet, which will basically be a selection. And that's why when I sat down with Joel Salatin, I wanted to know how he selected his interns and kind of how they did that and what problems he saw and what the solutions were and the best way to do that. So that's really when I got to interview Salatin, I wanted to talk about things that nobody else had on video with him. And that's kind of the direction we went. So we're going to pull 50 dudes out. And we're going to kind of just run a selection and see whose skills are what. And ba more importantly, who can who can team build and work with a team and and motivate. And, you know, just just like taking just like in the military, you take the young dude and you put a couple people under him and all of a sudden a leader steps up. So that's kind of what we're looking for. And we're going to whittle that down to two 12 man teams and we're going to run two 12 man teams head to head. So it'll be a little bit of Donald Trump's The Apprentice. You're fired. And then it'll be experts in the field. We're going to put them through a lot of different classes, medical class, chainsaw class, tourniquet class, fighting pistol, attack response. We have a lot of higher end uh, people in their industries that are like we know how to run a saw, but we've got dudes that really run saws gotcha. full time. So we're going to make sure they get the best training and then we're going to, you know, just kind of go from there. We're going to do some some saw milling. They're going to come onto the property and rough camp the first night and then build shell start building uh, structures. And then once the structure is built, how are we going to do water catchment for the structure? What is the solar going to look like? And we have companies involved for all of that. Okay. That's really cool. So 
when you start out with this this gaggle that you're going to drill down to end up with 24, those 24 are, and your kind of two teams headed up against each other, is this going to be like an ongoing elimination or are those teams, as long as they stick with what they're doing and like they're for the duration? We're, uh, we're going to keep them from the duration. Of course, we're going to, you know, critique and have the mentoring. And I'm sure that some will be eliminated along the way. Yeah. Maybe but self-elimination. <laughs> I, I, I suspect more self-elimination. Yeah. I hate to get rid of a guy who will stick through it all the way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because that's one of the things I never liked about those shows, especially like the weight loss and the fitness ones and all. It's like the whole point is to see what you can do with people rather than just – it's not trying out for a high school football varsity team where you just cut people. I like cutting the initial herd down because you kind of have to. You can only have so many people doing this. We're also pre-qualifying employees, right? We're pre-qualifying people for the communities because it's not just here. If a guy's like, man, I really like this, but I definitely don't want to go to Camden, Tennessee. Well, you've got Nicole on the hauler is always yeah. looking for the right person. You've got Bob's guys over in Ohio always looking for the right people. You've got Evan who's always looking for somebody out of North Carolina. So all of those people will be here, including Nicole, on site for this. So they will get – and we've got – I believe we have Stony Ridge Farmer is locked in and coming in. And so that's that's North Carolina also. We're just looking for the right person to match. We always get people that are like, man, I love your videos. I want to come work for you. And I spend more time making videos trying to tell you you don't want to work for me than to convince you to come because it's not just what it looks like on that video. You see that 15 minutes of super cool, this worked, but you don't always see the 16 hours of it not working, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of not working when you're building shit and when you're building businesses both. Um, so is this going to have like some challenges then? Like that you're yes. obviously you're going to have like, it's all, like, you know, build a shelter or whatever, but are you going to have some things that are more like head to head? Like, absolutely. can you do it or who can get it done better or first? Yes, absolutely. There is. Yes. It's, I, I, I keep saying, like, I keep talking about it as though it's like buds and it's, it's not, it's not going to be that we definitely don't want to scare anybody off. And there's, there's no limitation through strength or knowledge We're, we really want a, a vast, you know, variety of people to come in and you never know who that guy is going to be. And I compare that to, you know, the, the, the military training stuff, but it's, it's never the, the football quarterback who passes buds. It's never the, the peak triathlete elite guy that makes it. It's always the most unexpected person. And it, it's, it's, it's more mental than it is physical. I think it's definitely a lot of it. It would be mental, especially the way you're starting out with your rough camping and then you're building a structure and all. And you, you may not have to cut that many people to get down to your final teams because people do tend to self-select their way out of things pretty quick. Yeah, um, you never you never know, man. We get guys that show up here and they, they say everything to get the job and then they do nothing to keep the job. And a lot of guys like we've had show up We'll have guys come in that are really, really good, and they're running from something, right? They've, they've freshly broken up from a relationship, come out here, and as soon as they start calling home and, you know, once she starts missing him, he kind of, like, bails and takes off. Yeah. You just, you, you just never know, man. People are, people are weird. You can't ever really read them. Yeah. So how long do you picture this, pro like, process going? Like, is this going to be, like, six weeks, 12 weeks, two months? So it was six weeks. I think it's down to three weeks. The The final is going to be three weeks. So the, okay. the selection is on site for three days, but it's really two days. 
that gives them a, a, some time to get in and some time to, you know, get out afterwards without having to, okay, you're out, hit the street. Yeah. Um, and then I think we're, we're, I think we have settled on three weeks is the, the final. And then this is the first time we're doing this. We're, we want to take the winner and put them onto a piece of property that we're developing and then run this again and use everybody for the second time to develop that new property. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I think three weeks probably makes a lot of sense too, because if somebody has a job or something, it's hard to get away for, for that length of time and, and go back and still have a job. Um, yes. you know, so yeah, if you do like three months or so, you're not NBC or CBS or whatever, which means it'll be better, but it also means you can't throw these people like a hundred grand a piece to be on the show and, and then they're they're good for a year or whatever. So I think that's well, probably know, a good decision. I know Joel gets hundreds of people putting in applications when he opens up. And then they kind of go through and they have a number system and nobody communicates with each other. So those hmm. guys that get a number one, they basically get put in the pool and then everybody kind of reviews them. And they bring them out for, I think it's two or th- I think he said three days. And he's like, that's that's when the selection is, and then we whittle it down to how many people we're actually going to pull. And I think they whittle it down to 12 interns that actually stay there uh, six months. And a lot of those interns become full-time employees, yeah. and they start businesses within that group. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think it's just going to be throw people out and see what they can do. You're probably going to have – like you said, pros involved, people training. And what kind of training do you th- do you're going to be doing for these folks? So training wise, we're going to we're going to start. Obviously, we're cutting down trees and stuff. So that's chainsaw. There'll be some some chainsaw training, a good solid day, hands on using the equipment. Here's the chaps. This is what happens when they get hit. We already ran a chainsaw workshop here. That's kind of a, a pre uh, test and to actually run this, we, we already have the people in place. We know what that looks like. We're doing medical training, which is tourniquet application and specific wounds that you would receive while running a chainsaw. That's a separate supplement, um, fighting pistol. That's a two day class, um, for how to, how to use and, and actually run that gun. And that's gun fighting, not gun shooting. That's through tack response. They run a class. We've, we've seen that class hundreds of times. My wife and all of my kids have been, I think half the guys on this live feed right here, have been through those courses. So it just stuff like that. We're going to, we're going to get in, we're going to cut some trees down. We're going to take some of that wood, turn it into actually dimensional lumber. We're going to do some fencing and show what the fencing looks like. We're going to plant some trees. We're going to build a structure, solar application of solar and solar installation, water harvesting, um, all of that. We're going to run all of that, install mini splits. What kind of system does it take so that we can physically see this? They will see this happen. And, uh, Evan saying uh, zero to hero radio operator too. Yep, yep, running that too. Yep, they're gonna know. They're gonna know communications, what they can do, what they can't do, what the limitations of that are. Um, all the sponsors that are involved, they will. We will have their aspect in there. You know, the chainsaw training is something I think is incredibly important because there's no, there's no forty four forty to fill out to get a. Uh, a chainsaw. You just go get a chainsaw. Anybody yes. anywhere can order a chainsaw. It comes right to your house. It can jack you up in serious ways, yes. man. There is altering. Dude, my father-in-law nicked the back of two of his fingers with a chainsaw because he didn't obey the two hands on a saw rule. And it was just carryover. It wasn't even under throttle. And it 
I was surprised at how well they healed because it was a horrific looking injury. And it was probably about as minor as you can get. And I watch people use a chainsaw. Like you can tell they don't know anything about like clear two avenue news of egress, right? Like just cause you think the tree's going to go this way. Doesn't mean that's the way the tree's going to go. And like, yep. you can just see somebody wrapped around a bramble laying on the ground with an oak tree over their back. Uh, let yep. alone the other injuries that can occur with, with this. Like, and how- or you see some idiot up in a tree and they're topping the tree, and you're like, and you're watching a video, you go, I already know it's going to happen. He's going to get smacked right in the face and fall out of the tree. And somebody with you is like, how do you know? And you're like, sweet. Bam. Or, <laughs> or, he, or he's tied above where he's cutting, and as soon as that top lets go, it's going to jerk his ass out of the tree. Like, you just don't know what you don't know. And we be, and people yeah. become very complacent. So if we can instill a little bit of, hey, this is these are the wounds, these are what these look like, and some of these are very life-altering just keep that in your head, right? Anytime that tourniquet, anytime that chainsaw is out there, there should be a tourniquet with that saw. What does it look like when you hit these, right? How many guys, how many guys that have cut themselves in the legs have chaps sitting in the truck that aren't put on them? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And if you put a chainsaw into your thigh, it's, it's pretty horrific. Um, what there were these like potential prizes is also something I saw in the write ups on it. So like, what are people going to win? Uh, not getting a ticket home or <laughs> some other things? No, well, I mean the the grand winner is going to get an acre of property on the new property. Wow. Okay. So we're gonna, now there's nothing there. The second class will develop that. So I mean it'll it'll take all of us going out there and, and doing something. We want to kind of do what. What um, Tim, Toolman Tim's doing, you know, he's bought a piece of property and then developing it a little bit at a time. So that's what that's what we're looking at. How where can we put these people? Um, we get a lot of people that come here, but there's the property for sale. A lot of guys can't afford that. So how can we take a piece of property and then put the right people on the property and then have common areas of the property also? Yeah, I think a small, that's a great idea. It's, it's something that I've wanted to try to do for a long time. I tried to do it straight up with racing financing and that resulted in a friendly conversation with a gentleman at the FTC that explained that I would go to federal prison if I stayed on that track. So it's good to see you guys trying to do it with a, uh, another tactic. Well, I mean, that's kind of where the idea has always been in the back of my head from watching you guys do that, right? The, yeah. the, the discussions leading up to that. So, and then, you know, Jaeger brought, He's got, um, I think there's 600 acres out there. They did kind of a, an intentional community where guys could buy into it, and they did it with a lease. So, you know, we, we're just kind of combining it and, and making it work as we go. But I, I think it's very doable. I mean, all, you can definitely buy properties around here. And then to, to have a place where we can put that guy, the winner of the property, to where he's going to rough camp to begin with, and then we'll come up with some kind of structure, whether it be – one of these tiny houses or one of the A-frames on a deck or a glamping, you know, it just a, whatever we want to do, whatever he wants to do once we get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned sponsorships and some partnerships like these companies are going to help. I would imagine that anybody that wants to contribute would be at least considered if not welcome. Well, we'll definitely talk to them. We've got, we've got somebody for solar, uh, we have a, a big, huge uh, fencing gate company that does a lot of kennels and other stuff in um, we, layman's. Um, I, I believe we're locked on with layman's uh, off grid. Um, uh, we've got this, we've got a solar company in there. So, 
yeah, I mean, any anybody that's interested, definitely reach out. We might already be locked in with somebody that uh, fits that genre, but we would definitely like to talk to guys. Yeah, and, and cash is always appreciated. <laughs> cash, cash is always appreciated. And I mean, you're you're gonna have you're gonna have spots. We're gonna have advertising. We're gonna have spots. There'll be commercials, and most importantly, you will see the, us using those products and installing those products all through the episodes. So when you say episodes, you guys are going to kind of run this like uh, a reality TV show, except it's going to be based on reality then, right? Real reality. Yeah. Real reality. There's Actual not, reality. Not, not scripted. We're not. That's why we're not running females right now. This is this is all men because we're not <laughs> looking for the fake bullshit. Not that females can't do it, but that's a whole different set of infrastructure. And, you know, we'll see how this first one goes. And then we will look at bringing females into the second one. Oh, you're just not woke enough yet, John. We need to fix that. You know, you need to. Where's your Where's your uh, your 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 Asian pansexual group? Like, <laughs> yeah. Why don't yeah. you have that on there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not we're not asking. I don't I don't care what color you are. I don't care yeah. what your sexuality is. We need you to be able to come out and fit into the group and do the tasks. Yeah. And if you come out and and you're looking to change everything and you're a victim, well, then you're not going to you're not going to like it. It's you're not you're going to weed yourself out very quickly. We won't have to. Yeah, I I don't think you'll have any problems with that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I I don't think you're going to attract a lot of those folks that that would be of that mindset. And like you said, it would be self-correcting rather quickly. Um. So exactly how, how are you going to like, you're probably not going to live stream this though. Like, so you're going to be videoing for a certain amount of time a day. There's a certain amount of work that has to be done to get that content packaged to where it can be put out. Are you just going to run it on YouTube? Is there going to be any cost for people to, to, to see it or anything like that? So I, the answer is I, I don't know. Okay. Um, we're running, we're running multiple cameras, multiple guys behind cameras, We've got drones. We're going to film stuff just how we film stuff now uh, with more cameras. Like our camera, Brandel, my camera guy, he needs four cameras, for instance, because the cameras just simply heat up. It'll be the same stuff you see when we have all the super sweet B-roll and everything. And then we'll have cameras in the cabins where the guys are staying. We'll have all kinds of there'll be multiple camera angles. There'll be the, the really the bottleneck will be workflow of the footage. Yeah, you have to, yeah. you literally have to set up a library of the footage and then we will start putting out shorts and make sure we've got all of our sponsors. Really, we got to do the sponsors really well. And the, then once a week, we will put out an episode and an episode will be one day's worth of footage. But I mean, okay. we're talking 24 hours of footage. Oh, wow. I mean, that takes a long time because just editing is tedious as it is. But even like, OK, once you've got stuff edited, just rendering a video will take almost as long as the video to render, even with a really good machine. So if I render out an uh, hour and a half video on my PC that's made to do that, it will take about 50 minutes. So yeah. there's a, that is a production bottleneck. But Yeah, when you, when you see a, a super sweet commercial that we do for SOE product and you see a 90-second video, that's 16 hours. That, that's literally six hours of filming to get that 90 seconds and that's without the editing or any of that. And we're talking about running, when I say 24 hours, we'll probably actually run 18 hours of cameras, but that's 18 hours of cameras times three to six cameras. 
Yeah. And that's not, yeah. and that's not GoPro. We'll have all the GoPro out there, but when we come flying around with the razors and you see a camera get just fuck just swamped in mud. Yeah. That's a, that's a $8,000 camera right there that got, and like the first few times we did it, I'm like, Holy shit, we're going to have to replace this camera. And Brandel's really good about breaking those down and cleaning them. And you just, but every time we've been careful and worried about the equipment, we never get the shot. When we don't worry about the equipment, the shot always shows up. That's interesting. That's interesting. Um, so this is all going to be held at your property right now because you mentioned a new property. So is it going to be the first part though on your on your where your SOE compound? The majority of it will be here. We have another property on the other side of the next lot here. Uh, we've got access to 30 acres over there. Our friend owns that property. We'll probably do some stuff over there. And then Scully has 300 acres, uh, about 30 minutes from here. So, so it'll be held probably on three locations. Okay. Okay. Um, and like, so, I mean, kind of walk people through, like you said, like first couple, first day or whatever is rough camping. Like what are, what is going to be like the initial coal uh, things, the things that you're going to have people do that you're going to kind of break through and figure out who wants to be there for real. Well, a lot of it's physical labor. We're going to, we're going to do a bunch of fencing. That's going to be done initially by hand and then okay. it's going to be done with equipment and then it's going to be done with auger. So you'll, you'll see all of it. We've got a, a huge wood pile out here. We're going to run that through and chip because wood chips are the biggest thing uh, to develop soil. Right. And then we're going to, we're going to unload and load, uh, hay bales. We're going to, there's a lot of stuff that just has to happen. And a lot of it, we're going to leave the property pretty rough and we're going to develop that area where that wood pile is. We're going to chip that down. We're going to break that out, chip that down, level that, and then sink some piers, build some decks, and then put up uh, structures right there for them to live in. And that's going to, that's going to be the initial, uh, the gauntlet is really the selection. We're just looking for people how they work, right? When the task is done, do they continue to work or are they sitting there leaning, right? Do they, yeah. when, when, when you give a guy, hey, we need you to do a minimum of 20 push-ups, the guy that does the 20 push-ups and then stops, that's usually not the dude, right? It's the guy struggling. When the dude's done with his 20 and he goes, helps the guy struggling to make 10, those are the guys, you know, those are the guys that are going to make it long-term. Yeah, on that, I mean, it seems like a big part of what you're trying to cultivate in this is not just the ability to do things. Like, there's plenty of people that can do things. It's a willingness to do things. And more than that, it seems like you're looking to cultivate leadership. That's absolutely it, right? Um, I, I heard the other day uh, Alex Harmozy was saying, you know, if you have a business and your revenue hasn't grown in six months, it's because you're spending your time doing the wrong things. And the difference between a, a really big company and a small company is just the ability to tolerate mediocrity. Um, like you get smaller companies cut out mediocre guys really quickly, and then they don't have a time to develop them. And what it really comes down to is just it's management. That's it. Exactly right. How do you have a big company? You have to have management in place that runs teams and you have a guy on that team that runs a smaller sub team of that. And that's what we're looking for is guys that want to do this and develop that because we're looking for guys to work beside us. Like I need a dude, I need an assistant and I do not have an assistant. And when I say assistant, I mean a dude that's going to do part of what I do to, to be, uh, free me up to do other things. And same thing with Evan and same thing with Nicole. Nicole gets employees out there, but she needs somebody that can do what Nicole does 
and then develop them so that it frees her up to do other things. And whether you're, you are within one of our companies or not, or you settle in one of these places and then start your own company. And that's really what I want. I want a dude that's going to come in and work with us, but also have the ambition to start his own thing, whether that be homestead and video production and monetize through that manner or produce some product and help sell that. We want to develop guys that, that want to do this. We want guys that are, you know, like-minded. I'm not looking for employees. I'm looking for people that, you know, want to do what we do and then do that, do business to business. Yeah. I think that's like one of the most difficult things in running a business is finding someone like that. Like my, my good friend, David has a guy named Toby and he's like, Toby's great. And if I had two of them, I'd be a billionaire. Yes. Like you're lucky if you can find one like that, that, that won't just like, it's great when they go out and do something on their own, but almost everybody I've ever found that was like a candidate to be that level. By the time you get them close to where they can really do what you really want, they go off and do something on their own, which is completely natural. You're looking for an entrepreneur that wants to be an employee and they're, they're more rare than people that want to be entrepreneurs. And I mean, I don't mean like they say it, I, you know what I'm talking about people that really, really want it. Like to find somebody that's that dedicated, but also will work for somebody that's that's really hard. So you've got entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, right? The entrepreneur, you have these guys, most people that say they're entrepreneurs don't actually have a business. They don't produce anything. Agreed. Um, so every every entrepreneur, every every top guy, he needs a number. He's the number one, number two. So he needs some strong number twos and threes also. And a yeah. lot of times guys who have this in them, they will go out and start businesses but they don't have the ability to scale that business. They really don't want to do what it takes. And if they took a number two position in a strong company, they would actually make a lot more money and have a lot more free time than trying to be an entrepreneur. So just give them, give them the experience, give them the, the taste of that. And even guys that are like, I don't want to do this. They've still gained some skills and they have learned some things that they can take back in whatever life they go back to. And in the future, we've planted those seeds. They know what the ability is, and maybe they look at things a little bit differently. Exactly, exactly. Um, when If people want to give this a shot, how do they apply? Homesteadapprentice.com. Imagine that. There's a website. <laughs> there's, some, there's, there's some really good short-form content, too, on YouTube uh, and Instagram. You can kind of – I would say go watch those. There's about 20, 30 uh, – short forms uh just watch those and if it seems interesting to you we've already put up some videos of some of the guys that have applied so you kind of know what those are looking like um check that out and if you're interested uh homesteadapprentice.com is where you're going to apply and all the dates and all the information is all there where do you see this going like long term obviously this is your first attempt at this it probably won't be perfect nothing's ever perfect ever but it's certainly not perfect on your first go, it seems like though you like, it's not just like a thing you're going to do because it's a thing to do. And then you're done with it. You kind of seem like you want to turn this into like an ongoing um, cultivation of potential leadership. Absolutely. And it's, um, I'm terrible about planning things. I, I don't have, I don't keep a calendar. I don't pl plan a schedule. We just do it. And then I worry about the repercussions of it typically afterwards. And it always works out. Um, even, 
guys are like, uh, I look at allowed versus able, right? We're going to do this thing. And I've got a friend. He's the what if guy. What if, what if, what if? I'm like, they're not going to no. know. By the time they tell us to stop, it's already happened and we've already moved on to the next thing. Um, we're going to learn a lot doing it the first time and we're going to keep it going. Absolutely. Um, I, I tell people about like, like a lot of guys that are, that work and they're like, I want to start my own company. I'm like, listen, man, take whatever it is you love to do and start making videos of doing it. And if they're not good, you don't even have to show them to people. If you're not comfortable with it, you can take a lot of time to take video classes and take camera classes and do all of this stuff. And the guy that has made 10 videos his, his video is nowhere near the guy who just made really crappy videos for a thousand and learned as he went. Just put that content up there and you might do whatever it is, right? It might be homesteading that you're doing that builds your audience, but you're going to become a media company. I think everybody needs to be because that's your marketing. You're going to be a social media company no matter what it is you're doing. That is where all of your advertising and marketing takes place now. And once you develop that, that thing that you were filming in the beginning you might find that you don't have time or you don't want to do that because now you're getting to do all of these other things because of the content. And when you start homesteading, for instance, and you're just really like grunting through it and you're, you got bloody knuckles and you don't have a tractor and you don't have equipment, when you start building content and you get that audience, guys are going to send you that stuff. Companies are just going to drip stuff to you. And when you do those companies right, they're going to send you more stuff. Every month, you're going to get more and more stuff. And people just don't have this. They won't put in the initial time because they're worried about my videos aren't good. Just put that up there. Start documenting your journey. If you do what you truly believe in your heart is the right thing for you and your family, people with those beliefs, they will show up and want to be part of what you're doing. And it's, it's, the, it's the 12 o'clock on the clock, right? We're right at 12 o'clock and we're moving and we're moving and moving. And then it's 12 o'clock and one second. And a mile down the road, that still looks the same, but five miles down the road, you don't even see. You might just deviate just ever so slightly and find that thing that you want to do. You know, there's so much in just doing it and getting started. Yep. I, I've been doing this podcast now almost 16 years, 16 years. And you listen to me back when I was in my car driving to my office up in Frisco every day. I don't know if you ever listened to episode one. It's 20 minutes long and it's got awful. It wasn't even a real, like I say, I did it with this little MP3 recorder. It wasn't even a recorder. It was this little camera that did MP3s sitting in my lap without a microphone because it was like, Oh, I need to learn how to make a podcast. Yeah, right? it was like, and I don't, and I'm like, well, I'm going to put it on iTunes, so I'll learn how to put it on iTunes, and I'll learn how to do RSS and all these shit. And then it was like, I'm not worried about it because in your first few things you do, nobody's going to fucking listen. There's nobody there. You're learning your trade, and I think that can translate into so many things. Like, you didn't go from zero to selling millions of dollars in tactile equipment overnight. And I think the problem is a lot of people look at success today and they, they don't see the, the grind that got the person there. And they don't realize like, sure. I'm sure the first time you picked up a piece of nylon and put it on a sewing machine, you sucked. Right. I I have this discussion. My, my, you know, my granddaughter's hitting this age where everything she can't do makes her cry because she's Mm -hmm. like eight. Right. And it's like everything you do great. Cause she's badass at gymnastics. I'm like, you sucked at first. Like you, you have to suck before you become good. And yeah. I think like we've gotten to this world because of like this fantasy bullshit, the Instagram world, the, you know, the heart hands world where people don't understand you have to suck first. 
Yeah. Nobody, nobody wants to watch a zero here, a superhero movie where in the beginning is a superhero and he's a superhero all the way through. There has to be some terrible shit that happened to that guy for him to overcome or get those powers. Right. Nobody wants to watch that video where you're just awesome. The video, yeah. the movie only works if there was some terrible shit along the way and some difficulties and, and people do, they like, we're getting 60,000 engagements on my live videos every evening now. And people are like, man, this building's so huge. How did you do this? I want to do what you do. And I say, let me tell you, it's 52 years of having nothing to get to this point, right? You don't see the, the 90 days that I slept in my shop on the floor on some cardboard boxes with a poncho liner. You don't see the 90 days in the beginning when I pulled the truck up to the shop, ran out of gas, and the city ticketed my truck three times overnight, and I got some Marines to help me push the truck around back. I didn't have gas in the truck. I ran out of gas the day I pulled up to my shop and I didn't have water in the building. I lived in the building for 90 days with no water. Like I ate MREs that I was trading Marines coming out of the field. I was trading them the MREs they were. Th I gained 30 pounds in 30 days, in 90 days eating MREs. I was, I was fat. And <laughs> like, you don't see that shit, right? No. People, people see the, the cars and the, the, the weird shit all over the shop and the big building. They don't see the 52 years it took to get here. And, and what I like to tell them, I go, you can have this. What, some, what people don't tell you is there's another way. And we're programmed. We send our kids to government school to be raised by people that hate our way of life. And then we wonder why our kids are such a mess. And they come back with none of the beliefs that we instilled in them. And the bottom line is there's another way. You don't have to do this, right? Kids growing up see their parents, they know basically what they make, what their parents made growing up, and we associate that with that kind of life. But by the time 20 years has gone by and we're ready to do the job that we've picked, that money, the money, the job still pays the same money, but mm. everything costs more. So there's another way, right? We program kids that they have to go to school for 12 years and then take another four years and then another two years if you're going to have a prestigious job. And we give you these 10 jobs that you can pick, right? And the kid typically picks the one that makes the threshold of money that he thinks he can be comfortable with and the job he thinks he will hate the least, right? So that's going to be cop, firefighter, right? right, Whatever. And if you're really prestigious, you're going to go to a lot of extra school and have 150000 or more in debt. You're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. And by the time you get out of those rotations and all that nonsense, that job you thought you were going to do doesn't even exist in the manner that it existed. And you haven't even tried it. You've literally gone through almost 20 years of schooling to take this job to find out you hate this job. What if we programmed you at 18 or better yet 12, there is another path. You don't have to do this. Let's, let's identify the thing you like and start teaching a kid how to balance books, profits, loss, right? How to amateurize and look at what that that's actually going to take to pay those loans off, right? Give your kids some money, give your kid ability and tasks and allow them to fail. Let them stand up, right? We don't let kids get skin knees anymore. There is no touch football, which turns into semi-tackle football. We have no calluses, and nobody's been pressure tested. Dude, we used to play a game called Tackle Loco, and it was basically every man for himself, and one guy has the ball. Yep. It was like rugby, but it was the whole team against one guy. You, you either kicked the ball off or threw it over your shoulder after you got tackled, and one guy would get the ball, and immediately everybody would try to kill him. We used to play Smear the Queer. That was the same game. We would There's play. Name with Tackle Loco. <laughs> we would play dodgeball, but you were literally trying to knock somebody's head off. 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, Red Rover, Red Rover, where you'd break through the line. Yeah. But but you were trying your your best. You were trying to get through there, and they were trying to kill you going through there. And Did you ever play have, wall ball? Yes, they sent us in the fourth grade to a <laughs> magnet school, and one of the things we they taught us that we brought back was wall ball. It's the same with tether ball. You weren't trying to hit that ball. You no, were trying to get that ball to ball. hit the other guy. Wall ball, we used to play with a racquetball when I was growing up in Jacksonville, Florida. And the winters in Jacksonville are pretty damn cold. And when you're like 30 degrees and you have a racquetball, that's like getting hit with a rock. Yes. Right? And that was like that was like what we did for fun. We used to play um, like street hockey with a taped up skull can. Yep. And just beat the crap out of each other. And then everybody got up, shook hands, and went on with their life. Like, yeah. we've lost that toughness. And what you were saying about this career path, in case anybody thinks it's just hypothetical what you were saying, I know someone who lived that exact narrative out and, and got a very high-end, expensive education that they don't use. My, my best friend from the Army, his ex-wife, her dad was an architect. So she had daddy issues. So she's going to be like daddy and be an architect. So she goes through all the hell to become an architect, including I think they do two years of like an internship before they're allowed to go design a building on their own so that they don't like kill somebody kind of like doctors have that. And so she goes through architectural school, goes through an internship, owes over a hundred grand. And this is back mid nineties, right? So that's like, Oh, and 200 grand a day at least. Yep. Decides I hate being an architect. Had never actually, like, you know what? Why don't you go to a place where architects are and ask them if you could work there for a week for free so you could see what architecture is really all about and do I want it? That, that would be the minimal amount of due diligence before you sign a contract. You can't even discharge your debt by bankruptcy, right? For a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt, and you've never done the job. And you know what she does now? She designs closets. That's yeah. kind of like being an architect, but she basically needed two weeks of training on how to use CAD. And yep. she works for like one of these companies that does, uh, you know, like when they come into like rich people's house and design their closet so they know where to put their fucking shoes or whatever, right? I've, but you have a hundred plus thousand dollar degree to design closets. I've that heard you tell. Think, that doesn't make sense. I've heard you tell the story. Don't you have somebody in your family that does uh, like social media stuff and they're making way more than they were with their oh, yeah. real job? But yeah, I have a I call her my uh, niece in law. Right. Yeah. That's so my nephew's wife. She's an Instagram model. Yep. And she does really risque looking stuff and all, but no nude, no sex, no, no stuff like that. Um, they do better than me and I do well. I'll leave it at yeah. that. I don't want to give away somebody else's, you know, income or whatever. But, you know, and. Before that, her husband, my nephew, he worked for um, – can't think of the company now. They do, like, safety equipment and all um, deliveries, and he was fairly high-level management guy for them. And she was running a business where she did uh, house cleaning, and she had girls working for her doing that. And they, they make way more money now working together in that business than they did with those two income streams independently. And they didn't do horrible back then. They just – are doing so much better because they decided to try and it start that started on a bet. That started on a bet. Somebody was talking some shit about some chick that had a hundred thousand Instagram followers and my nephew's like, I could get that for my wife. And I think it was something like a two hundred dollar bet. You know, could you do it? And as and, and it was they actually realized that they were going to do it. They're like, Oh, we gotta 
we got to do something to monetize it. And they literally built what they do on the same model that I built my membership program on. Yep. Like they even use the same guy that built my back end for my membership site for me. And, and it's a totally different business. And I know tons of people on that model doing the same thing. Uh, Brian over at ITS Tactical, he sells gear similar to yours and a lot of other cool stuff and all. But his whole membership program built exactly the same model. Like you, I think one of the biggest things people need to learn is pattern recognition that I talk about all the time. And then how do I find the pattern that works for what I want to do? Because there's only so many patterns. There's so only pretty, so many patterns. It's just how do you apply it? I'm pretty sure. So we met Brian. We knew Brian. And then it, we were out at SHOT Show. And we invited him over to our party. And I'm pretty sure I told Brian about you and told him. I think I introduced you guys. Actually. You might have. You might yeah. have. I got an e- the way I met him, I got an email one day. I was probably doing what I was doing for about a year or two. It was pretty early on. And he had just gotten started, and he sent me an email. He says, I'm doing the same thing, but it's different. Do you want to grab a beer? Yep. And nine times out of ten, I'm going to say no to that, right? Like, I don't know who this person is. It's a weird intro. And it was just something about I'm like, dude seems legit. I'm like, yeah, we were going to be up at the bar on the border tonight anyway. Why don't you come by? And, yeah, you, he, you may have turned him on to us. You, you absolutely might have. Yep. Yeah. But um, kind of coming back to it, how when we look at this, like I said, leadership seems to be something that's sticking out to me. But at a bigger level than just Homestead Apprentice, isn't this like one of our core issues as a country right now? Well, it abs- the it lack of leadership is. mentality in people, especially young men. Yeah. So you you hear culture war all the time, right? You hear Tim Pool and all these guys, culture war, culture war. And what are they doing about it? What are we doing about it? And I think a lot of the problem is like if here's a good example, right? We take our elderly and we lock them in a home because we don't want to care for them. So we warehouse them. And then because we feel bad about it, we go and see them once or twice a year and they live in their little community. What if you had enough property, one acre, two acres, whatever that is? It doesn't have to be under one roof. But what if you had a place where your parents could live, right? Your parents didn't do this. You have to be the lever that changes the direction of your life, right? You have to be the guy that changes the future of your last name. So if you had some property and you built a, it could be tiny houses, it could be whatever. It doesn't have to be under the same roof. But if you have your parents on the property, they can help raise your children. They might not be able to toil the soil and do all the heavy lifting any longer like they could, but it still gives them purpose. And then when you have kids, they can help with your kids. And then they're helping raise your kids. And when your grandkids come along, your kids can, you've already built the infrastructure, right? So all it has to do is be occupied at that point. And you have multiple generations. History is his story. Who is telling the story of your family as you want it passed on? If nobody in your family is there to tell that story, that story is lost or it is changed to benefit the person telling the story. So how do we do that? And how do you have communities, right? What if you had multiple properties and multiple families around there that had that family mindset and that family belief, and you guys produce something that people seeked out? You have two kinds of people in the world. You have, you have producers, and I like to call them bureaucrats, right? You have people that have a skill or a product that people willingly seek out and want to buy from you. And then you have that other side, those government jobs. The only reason you do them is the threat of violence at a gun, at a gun, right? Would you ever go to the DMV if there wasn't the possibility you, you have expired tags on your car, now you Never. get a ticket. 
If you don't show up to court and you don't show up to court for the ticket, they issue a warrant. And now dudes with guns come and seek you out and hunt you down to drag you to court over a piece of plastic tag and some numbers on your car for a piece of property that you already own and bought and paid sales tax on. But they have to keep getting that revenue. That is a good example of a bureaucrat, a job that they only have that job because they steal the money from people that create work and skill from people that seek that out, right? So which one of those do you want to be? And how do you have less of one of those, right? We no longer mind because you no longer matter. How do we skate and negate those systems, right? How do we do those things that are important to us? There is an underground economy everywhere. Most people are just not aware that that exists. You know, and it, it, it's permeated everything. It's it definitely there is a higher prevalence of bureaucrats, if you want to call them that, or administrators in government positions because government can afford anything because they steal the money. But it's it's been done through government that this has infiltrated everything. And it's part of why everything's so flippant expensive. Look at if you look at something like, let's say, doctors and nurses in the healthcare industry relative to the number of administrators in the healthcare industry. Now, that's private sector mostly anyway. The number of administrators since 1970 has exploded relative to the number of doctors and nurses that actually provide care. That's part of like Pornell's iron law bureaucracy that in any organization you'll have two types of people, people dedicated to the mission that go out and do the mission in the case of doctors treat sick patients and then people dedicated to the organization itself, your administrators. And they've so top heavy to everything. And then there's places where it crosses over People don't think of it as government, but it is like schools. Same thing. 1974. Look at the administrators in education. They've become overburdened. And these people don't do anything necessary. And I have people that do these jobs in my audience. They get very mad at me when I say that. And I'm like, okay, if I go back to 1968, there was 5% of you fucking people in existence and everything worked. So I'm not saying that you don't do anything like you sit there all day and do nothing, that your your entire existence involves converting CO, uh, oxygen to CO2 for trees. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you don't do anything we need you to do. Society would be OK without you doing the thing that you think is necessary. I had a dude one time, John, you'll love this. He comes to me. I was at some thing I was speaking at or something. And he said, I have a government job, but it's necessary. Mm. I'm like, OK. I'm like, what do you do? He goes, you know, when you go to the gas station, yes, I'm familiar with gas stations. And you look on the pump and you see a thing where we test the pump to make sure the pump's not ripping you off. I'm the guy that tests those pumps and certifies those pumps so that people don't get ripped off. And I said, so you do the job of a fixed cavity. He goes, what? A fixed cavity. All I have to do is take a one gallon can and put one gallon of gas in it and go, oh, look, this pump's honest or it's dishonest. If you didn't exist, how long do you think it would be before auto manufacturers put something in vehicles that told you exactly how much fuel went in the vehicle so you could see it against the pump? And in a world where everybody has a box that can tell everybody else what's going on, how long before that gas station's out of business? And he goes, fuck it, I quit, and he walked away. Right? Yep. And he wasn't mad at me. He was mad at the fact that he thought he had something, and it took 30 seconds to figure out how to replace him. And I think yeah. there's so much of that. And that's that's part of the leadership problem that we have so many places, people with no leadership can go earn a good living like a lot. I mean, some of these people are paid a lot of money relative to what they do. But I think the other part is like young men are basically told, shut up, don't lead anymore. 
Like, that's the whole message. Like, the culture war thing you were talking about with these other people, it gets overused. But I think there is something to that, that we're just telling men shut up, especially if you're a white man and straight. You have no opinion that's worth having. Well, I mean, we've just pushed all the all the the alpha males out of the military and law enforcement, right? Who was most apt to uphold the Constitution, uphold the oath that they took? How did they remove them, right? You have to take the thing. If you don't take the thing, you're out. The people that took the thing, those are most likely to be, uh, I was just doing my job. How do you get people to do terrible shit against other people, right? And then you have the, the whole influx of, they say 22 million. I heard a congressman say that the total number is 22 million has come across the border. They're going to let those people vote. Who are they going to vote for? The same person you would vote for? Or are they going to vote for the person that let them in? And then what? They just swore in uh, a non-citizen to work within um, the election uh, of one of the states. I don't remember what state that California. was. California. California did it. They have non-citizen on election watch. Yeah, Maybe. we've got – you have a, a lot. It seems to be real. You have a lot of FFL and firearm shop owners saying, hey, the ATF rep just came in, said to – uh, give firearms to non-documented, non-documented uh, aliens when they want to buy them, arm them. They're using them in law enforcement. They're starting to put them in position. Those are your replacements. Like, what do you think is happening? Like, you, we used to make fun of guys about, yeah, they're setting up all the FEMA camps, right? All these camps in the desert. You guys can go online and see them things. What do you think? What do you? Who do you think they're planning to put in those things? <laughs> those are your replacements. You have thirty-story hotels in major cities right now to include Tennessee, you have people selling homes and the government comes in or, or a bureaucrat comes in and goes, Hey, we will pay you twice in rent to rent these houses out. They are in your neighborhoods and you don't realize they exist. These hotels, they are not open to you. They are stacked up with people who came across the border illegally. Meanwhile, we have people trying to come in, to speak at events from Canada and they give them a hassle about coming in temporarily to the United States yes. for a weekend. Yes. I'm sure you know who Curtis Stone is. No, I don't. Okay. He's a pretty cool dude. You, you should probably check him out. He started out basically spin farming and now he's more of a remote homesteader. So he he's in Canada. Um, Are we talking about Curtis, Curtis Stone? Yeah. Okay. I know Curtis Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, he was supposed to speak last year at, at John Bush's thing that I did down in Bastrop. Couldn't get into the country because he told the truth. Yep. Why are you going to the United States? I'm going to speak at an event. Are you being compensated for speaking? Well, they're giving it. Basically, his compensation was they're giving me a hotel room. He didn't think there was any reason not to say that. So he did. They yep. denied him entry into the country. He had to promote, uh, present remotely. So he's going to be in the States. For a week. And if he had just lied and said, I'm visiting friends in Texas, come on through. But because he told them that he was going to speak at an event and be compensated, which I don't think getting a free place to stay is that big of a deal. Um, he was denied entry. Yep. And so but, you know, they have this new border bill, John. They want to cap the number of people that illegally come into the country at five thousand a day. Yep. And, and it's people like you that are standing in the way of that. Right. Yes. <laughs> yep. Hey, Jack, I got to I got to jump off camera for just a second. All right. No problem. I'll, back. I'll, I'll, I'll carry the weight while he's gone. I'll, I'll just say a little bit more while John's gone about this, this leadership thing. Some of the problems that we're digging into now may not seem like they're really related to John's program with Homestead Apprentice. But leadership is the only way out of this. We're not going to stop this. We're not going to vote it away. 
There's too many people, not even just the kind of people John's talking about, but the average person that just works their ass off every day that has, you know, no ill will against anybody. All they want to do is the one thing most of us want, and that's to be left alone. And so they're busy with their life. My son's a perfect example of this. The guy works his ass off. He's got two kids. His wife works her ass off. You know, they're in that employee mindset, but they're not going to do anything to fix the problems. They're lucky that they can at least keep their own life. It's like treading water is where so many people are. And why do you think they created a system that's designed to put you in that position? Most people never develop enough freedom in their life to figure out how to actually carve out the life they want. Instead, they're like a rat in a maze, literally. That's why they call it the rat race, where they, they like all I'm trying to do is make sure that I and my kids eat today and that the rent's paid on the first of the month and that we don't end up homeless and that my car payments are made. That's what they're trying to do is just get by. The only way to create a, a country full of entrepreneurs that can build these alternative systems is to reinstill leadership. And I think that's a big part of what John's trying to do here is to incentivize people to lead because I think it's something that it's very hard for John and I to convey to you how easy it is to do once you make the decision to do it. Once the switch in your head goes and you realize I really can do whatever the fuck I want. I just have to be creative about how I do it. Uh, what I refer to as status jujitsu, there's a, a place that you cross that and then you, you can't go back. It is a lot like, I think there's a lot of analogies come out of the matrix, but where the guy won't remember the first matrix movie, the dude wanted them to put him back in and make him forget. And he wanted a good job and to just be left alone. But you there, it's a one way process. Once you separate and once you know what freedom is, you have a complete intolerance for the lack thereof. When we first moved back here to Texas from Arkansas, my wife said, I'm thinking maybe I'll go back to work. I'm like, you wouldn't last a week because you know you don't have to anymore. So as soon as you go back into an office with all of the problems you used to bitch about, you're going to be there three or four days and you're going to go, I don't have to do this. And she goes, yeah, you're probably right. And I think what we want is to make that moment happen for as many people as we can, because every one of those persons that does that, they create opportunities for others. You employ a lot of people. I don't employ a lot of people, but I have a lot of partners. I've, I've created a lot of other entrepreneurs. Every single person that breaks free of that is like a catalyst that multiplies that effect. And I think that's our only fighting back strategy we have at this point. We're not going to fix this with voting. That's not going to no. happen. It's only going to it's going to get worse. Like this is the fourth turning and and the bad times that are being created, if you think you're living in them, you don't understand. You're like at the end of the third. You have the whole fourth to live through. And if you're like John in my age, well, you better get with training the next generation because by the time we get back into that, you know, strong men create good times, we're going to be old and fucking dead, right? Like, you know, I, so, I mean, isn't that a big part of this is to build that leadership in people's minds? It is. It's lack of execution, right? If it, most people don't do anything, you have uh, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, right? Guys are constantly like, uh, I started my business. I'm like, cool. How much money did you make this week? Well, I didn't make any money. Well, then you don't have a business, right? What are you, what's holding you? What, what's keeping you up? It's like, I got this from you, Jack. When you're not sure what to do, always do something because most people will do nothing and you have a 50 50 chance and it's probably not going to make it worse. At least you tried. So lead, follow, get out of the way. 
and I'm not looking to build. I'm not looking to, uh, like I don't show. I don't want to show up to compete with guys. I want to show up to complete guys. Like I, I like want that. to develop. I want to develop business partners. I'm not looking for employees. People know if they're an employee. If you're a, an employee. And you're like, I've always wanted to move someplace in the middle of nowhere and live a slower life. I have that. However, if you want to come out here and live someplace, an awesome place and start a business where another business is going to help you and expose you to 20 other businesses, I also have that. I have a place for both of you. Let's figure out which one of those you are. And I don't mean to be a dick or anything, but if you're an employee to me, you're replaceable. You, you, you have a skill set, you do a thing, you get a wage. I, I don't mean to sound like a dick, but on some level, you are a number, right? And it doesn't mean I don't like you or value as a person, but if I'm going to have you, you know, run a machine for eight hours a day, then I can find somebody else who can run that machine for eight hours a day. Finding someone that can build a complementary business that improves my local ecosystem of businesses, that's... That's hen's teeth, right? That's 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 how rare that seems to be. That's right. When you get a guy within a company that makes you money, then you give that dude part of that money. Yes. When you have a guy that just shows up, my my people that show up the latest in the morning are also the earliest to leave, right? The fastest thing they do every day is quit. They don't know when it's time. They can't get to work on time, but they know right when break is. And you have to have you know, for, for every three of those, that's going to be one to get a hundred percent. You're going to have three, you know, 33% people and you just tolerate that. But when you find that one guy that shows up and always delivers more than is required of him and you fi you find him doing things that he's not required to do, that's the dude, that's the guy you develop. When I had my first like professional sales gig in telecom, I was there a week before the owner walked into my office and put a key on my desk. Yep. And I said, what's the key for? He goes, because I'm tired of waiting for you to leave. Yep. I'm tired of waiting for you to leave so I can leave. Here's the, here's the key. Here's an alarm arming code for the, for the door. If you're not that guy, then, you know, and I think a lot of people, a lot of, especially I, I hear this because I always try to throw people some level of advice when they're bitching and what I hear from a lot of young people today is, well, if it was worth it, then maybe I would do it. Yeah. And it's I understand why they think that way. It's not all their fault. They've been conditioned. They've been to programmed think that way. They yeah. have been taught to think that way that like uh, you know, we were mentioning Curtis earlier when he was doing the spin farming thing. He said he would have all these people apply to be interns and he would hire them. And like a week into it, they realized, oh, what we do every day is farm. And they're like, when are we going to get to social justice? <laughs> he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's not what we do here. Yeah. We grow food and we sell it to people in restaurants. That's what we do. But I wanted to make a difference in the world. Well, how about you make a difference for yourself? Yeah, but how about you deliver? deliver. That, like, you know, I saw this article recently, John. It was from the Gen Zs say that they should not be hired for their skills and what they can do and how hard they work, but for their personalities and how they are the fun people in the workplace. Well, I mean, a time clock is uh, racist. Uh, math is racist. I mean, look, they're they're changing the world, right? If if I have to hire a guy that can't get the number right, one plus one is is two, and two plus two is four. And if you can't do that, I I don't know how the world's going to run. It's it's like Atlas Shrugged, man. If you've never read Atlas Shrugged, you can even listen to it. There's three 
separate movies of Atlas Shrugged on YouTube you can watch. But listen to Atlas Shrugged, and you will see a huge amount of similarities through there. You're like, oh, that's happening right now. Oh, that's mm-hmm. happening right now. You, like everybody, like we had to read Atlas Shrugged in the fourth grade. In the fifth grade, we had to read Animal Farm, right? Kids, <laughs> they have no idea that these books even exist. And it won't be long until they don't exist anymore. They will be removed from the Internet. I don't remember having to read that in school. I did. We did read 1984 and I think sixth grade. Yep. You know, and, I, and I've read Atlas Shrugged and Fountainhead. And they're one of those things that are more prophetic than you would think because they were kind of written in their time because it was already obvious. But it's so much more true now than it was then. I mean, the other thing I'm seeing become a prophecy and people make jokes about it all the time, but it's not a joke is the movie Idiocracy. Yes. And it, it's. It, it literally is like people that you would think of as like having good professional careers are the ones not producing children. Right. And, and yep. so what is the future of a society that doesn't value children enough to have them and doesn't value people enough that once they do have them to teach the leadership and that future is not bright. And I think that's why movements like we're part of, and I would say part of, it's not our movements, it's like what we're part of, is the only play that we have because we have to go do our own thing and just accept the fact that we, if you believe in freedom, then it's also freedom for other people to fuck their lives up. It's freedom for other people to waste their dash. It's freedom for everybody to do whatever they want until they bother you. And all we can do is get as far out of the way as we can do our own thing. And hopefully they're going to create enough of their own problems. They're going to have time to worry about us. Remove your kid from the government school system and don't allow them to be programmed, right? And then don't feign that you're – don't seem so angry. Don't even be angry when that side wants to change their child's sex, right? What are they doing? They're removing their family name from the gene pool. Yes, they are. That's okay. Get your kids out of that exposure and take control of your child's life. And a lot of times – I know this is going to blow people's minds, but you need – Mom and dad, right? One has to choose. It's not 50-50. It's 49-51. I don't care which direction it goes. Raise your kids and let the other group do whatever they're going to do. Whether you like it or not, there are pockets being made. The balkanization is happening. Go to a state. Look how many people left California. There were so many people leaving California in a three-year period. You could not rent a rider truck. People were driving from California to Las Vegas renting a rider truck for a couple of hours, coming back to California and then leaving to Tennessee, Florida, or Texas. All of the California, I still have 20 rider trucks in this town that came into this town and have never left this town. You know, and that's, that is one of my major proof points with people when they talk about how great, you know, California is actually wonderful. Well, just go price a U-Haul. Yeah. From LA to Dallas versus Dallas to LA. It's about 3x. It's just under 3x. It's like 2.8 times as expensive for a one-way move from California to Texas as Texas to California. And it's exactly what you said. They know that trucks, they're, if they want that truck back, they're going to have to pay somebody to bring it back. And that's why it's so cheap to rent it the other direction because you, they, they almost should say, you know what, if you're moving from Dallas to L.A., if we have one stuck, we'll give it to you for free just to get the truck back. Absolutely. Because they're running out of trucks. They're running yeah. out of trucks. You can make and, a fortune. What says more, like, 
we, you and I tell people to move all the time, but we know why people don't do it. It's easy, but it's also hard. It's, it's expensive on some levels, at least initially. Like, and you and I think spending money now, but spending less money long term win. Most people, they can't think that way anymore. You give up family, friends, relationships. Some people have, like, their family's been in this place for five generations. I mean, what you were talking about earlier, California used to be a wonderful place for a blue-collar family to live. Not that long ago. Freaking California produced Ronald Reagan as a governor, right? And now it is a freaking hellhole. I'm sorry, it is. And I know it's a beautiful state. I vacationed there. It's a wonderful place, except for the people that run the damn place, right? Um, and so it's hard to move for people, and yet look how many have. And I think COVID in some ways was a backhanded blessing. So I don't tell people what to do. Yeah. When people ask, I tell them what I did do. Okay. What I did do was leave California. And I tell people, I have young men show up on the lives every night and there's this kid, uh, big Oso showed up and he's like, you know, I think I want to get out of California. I'm like, look, man, I'm telling you, how old are you? And he's like, I'm 19. I go, when I was 19, I said like everybody else, I need to get out of California. And then when I was 20, I said, I need to get out of California. And I didn't get out of California until I was 30. And I had, I left California when I was 20, the money would have went so much further and that it just every all the stuff on you just doing bit I don't even have to have a business license in Tennessee yeah. to do business right yeah. I don't have to run an articles of incorporation I don't have to publish the name I don't have to get a DB I don't have to do any of that shit I just do it and nobody's going to knock on my door and come find me here in Tennessee right I don't have to do any of that my money doubled or decline is, the renewal of your permit and shut your business down for 30 days right. while they investigate it, right? That's right. Like none, that. of, none of that happens. Do you and have inventory tell, tax in Tennessee? No. Well, yeah, yes, we have, we have some other taxes. Like we don't have state uh, income tax, but we do have also – we have real property. We have property tax for the yeah, business also and, and silly shit. Yes, we do. But do you pay like tax on like the gear you've built you haven't sold yet sitting on your shelf? So, yes, you're supposed to. You're, okay. All right. Because right. I know that when I worked for – well, I worked for that hardware company out of California, and we would pretty much give shit away in December so yep. that the company didn't have to pay the inventory tax on it. That was insane. It was like we're, we're better off, like, handing this to customers for future goodwill than holding it over into the next fiscal year and paying tax on it. And yep. I wasn't part of that side of the business, but I knew just based on the way they would cut deals in November, December – I know it must have been really hard, horrible, horrible business practice. And like I, what I'd say is like this dude that you're talking about is 19. It will be easier to do now than when you're 20. And it will be easier to do when you're 20 than when you're 21. And it will, you see, you know what I'm saying? Like your, your life becomes intrinsically more complicated as you age, especially 20 to 35. Like that's, that's the time frame. And if you're 34 and you're still thinking one day, Motherfucker, you better get on it because 20 to 35, especially for dudes, that's where you should hit your stride. Somewhere in there would be where you kind of find yourself and you really throw at it and you really take off and you really make something out of yourself. Like if you look at billionaires, how many of them went from not being billionaires when they were 40 to being billionaires when they were 70? Very few. Yep. But most of them went from not being billionaires when they were 20 to being billionaires before they were 40. Like yeah, that is your... 
that's when you can work longer, harder. You know, you you make up for what you haven't learned yet with the youthful exuberance. If you have it, if it hasn't been pounded out of you and destroyed with the the nutrition, uh, or I should say, the lack of nutrition in today's food, it's it, it's it's why we have you know we have nineteen year olds walking around with moobs. Not only right. not only lack of nutrition, but straight poison. I mean, I don't yeah, think anybody weird. can argue that your water supply even has toxins in it at this point that are accumulating in your body. And I mean, that's why if you if you look at the estrogen up in men and testosterone up in women, and you you have the demasculation, there's there's a lot to that, right? So it, you just have also like when you're young, you have the ability to move unencumbered. You, you might have a girlfriend or whatever, but you probably don't have children, right? As soon as you have yeah. children, there's so many dudes that are like, I'm just waiting for my kids to uh, graduate high school. So you're waiting 12 years. You're waiting 12 years that you could actually double or triple your ability to execute, and now you're waiting 12 years, right? And that never happens anyway because by the time that 12 years goes by, well, now I've got a better job. I'm only 10 years from retirement, whatever. I'm, yeah. You know, I, you get a health issue, something happens. And I think what also happens is your will breaks. It's the, the same. longer it's the, you stay in a situation, like if you think of how do we domesticate an animal? We take it when it's very young, we feed it, and we confine it, and we make it dependent upon us. And the more generations we do that, we take an animal. If you think about like what wild cattle are, yeah. Like if you think of like the wild, like the actual cattle that are really wild, they're murderous. Cape buffaloes kill more people in Africa than lions and hippos combined, right? Yep. But we have cows that are like puppy dogs. I mean, you still have to take a step on you and shit, but generally you can just walk up to a cow and pet it and like lead it into the slaughterhouse. And I think that humans, we are not. We're not immune to this. I, when I was a young kid, my dad used to talk about the goal was the domestication of the human male. Full-on domestication. I used to think my dad was a little wacky, and now I'm probably more wacky, uh, according to professionals, than he is with that. I think that's exactly what the goal is, to domesticate the human species, the way that they've domesticated livestock to completely rip anything that's feral or wild out of us. I think it's even worse. I think it's the castration of the domestic male at this point through through the toxins and the poisons and the lack of nutrition and even the, the chemicals that are induced. I mean, um, and another example of the of the cow, right, is, is the elephant. When you saw all those elephants, they were only held in the ground with a stick and a rope around their front foot and yeah. they would stay there. Right. They have taken away any will uh, for that animal to be wild. So it's. um you know what? You ever seen the one with the horse and the horse is the bridle and the thing and it's hooked up to like one of those stupid little plastic chairs? Yes. But yes. he won't go anywhere. Or you take pigs and you put them in electro fence and then you you move them somewhere and you need a home for a bit. You throw string up and they see the string and they're like, "No, fuck that! I'm not touching that." Right? Like, yep. Humans, we we are not immune to Pavlov's dogs theorem right we are just as con we might be more conditionable if, if you think about it, the most conditionable animals are the most intelligent right look what they can get a dolphin to do in captivity right mm -hmm. we'll do that with a snake right the snake has a very primitive brain it might learn in time this giant monkey thing isn't going to hurt me so i'm not going to bite it but it will always be a snake you yep. can't make it not as you can't train your snake like you can't like well, can't hear anyway, but you can't like tap your desk and make the snake come over. You can't like when you see somebody doing snake charming shit, 
You know what that is, John. You've done enough with reptiles. That's just the animal responding to movement. That animal's not trained. Yeah, so the more then, primitive the mind, the more difficult it is to condition. So humans are the most, I, I know people are going to think I'm nuts for this, but they're the most subjected and most capable of being domesticated and being conditioned to behave in an irrational way. And if you don't believe it, go look what people did for two years. During so why the is, whole, why is yeah. that, right? Where is the change between hundreds of years ago when pe- men were trying to keep men captive um, and then versus now where they willingly do that, right? They used to have, uh, you know, children and family, or you would take them from the continent and bring them into another continent. And every now and then they did revolt, right? Um, the snake thing, if you deal with venomous animals long enough, you will be envenomated. Um, but the, like right now, how many people willingly went and took the thing and turned other people in? It's that mob mentality, right? The, they have done a very good job of further separating people. Um, it used to be blacks versus white, bl- whites versus blacks. Uh, and then it was, you know, gays and straights, uh, blue collar, white collar, right? We weren't supposed to like each other if we worked with our hands versus, you know, a, a management type position. Um, but nowadays the bump stock is a good example, right? The silly bump stock. Who knew you had a bump stock that was going to turn you in when they said, Hey, this piece of plastic is now illegal. Who was going to report you? A dude who you trusted enough that you both went out shooting together and had the bump stock. The guy who's going to, they especially the gun culture community stuff, they have done such a good job at fractioning that even more. The guy that's going to tell on you or report you online for some silly shit, he looks like you. He drives a truck like you. He has the same stickers on his truck like you. He probably loves his family equally to you. And they just get you to live in this constant state of chaos, right? Everybody wants to talk about, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, I have a lot of fun doing the conspiracy theory. It's really conspiracy fact at this point. I believe all of them, every fucking one of them. Um, everything Alex Jones said, find me two things he said. You might find one or two. Find me three things Alex Jones said that didn't actually happen. Um, but what can you do about it, right? Do we agree Stuff's getting more difficult. Do we agree that my employee just told me this morning that she went to buy chicken strips and it was $10 for a bag of chicken strips in the most impoverished county of Tennessee? Yeah, that happened, right? So yeah. what, can, what can we do? We can all agree that if things are getting worse, they are. Would it be better off and more beneficial to you if you had a means to make money on your own and you had the ability, right? As an employee, you work 40 hours a week and this is what you're getting paid. And no matter what you do, you can't make more money on your time, right? So how do you make more money? If you had more money, would you be better off? If I gave you a million dollars tomorrow, boom, you wake up and there's a million dollars on your coffee table. Would you do the same shit you're doing right now? tomorrow and if you're honest at all the answer is no you would not so how do we set that course if this then that what can we control the temperature of the water in your pool i got that from jack i say it all the time i like to say war within arm's reach right within arm's Mm -hmm. reach can i touch it can i feel it can i smell it can i taste it and if the answer is no then i don't care what's going on what do you think of ukraine i don't give two shits about ukraine i think the same thing you do it's theft but i'm not going to spend all day making videos and talking about Ukraine. I don't have a Russian problem. I have friends that are Russian. I don't know anybody that's Ukraine. I don't fucking care. If you had money, could you 
get a better place? Could you have cleaner food? Could you take money and invest it into products that you can resell and 10x your money on? And the answer is yes. And there's always some dude shows that like money's not everything. Oh, yeah? Then why do you show up at a place every morning that you don't want to be for such a small, finite amount of money? You know what I know about the people that say that? They never have any. Have any. Never. Nobody that has money ever says it's nothing. It's not important. Yeah, it's not every the only time, thing, but it, it's important. I don't have to know Bitcoin went down in value because there's two assholes every time it happens. They're like, aren't you glad? I'll bet you wish you didn't have that Bitcoin. I'm like, I bet you didn't. I bet you don't have any money. Like, where's your investment? <laughs> where's your let's, let's look at let's look at let's look at one of my accounts that has Bitcoin. And you can send me a screenshot of whatever bank account you want to send me because I know your ass only has one. Right. It, yeah. it doesn't. It, it's always. The, when you have a person taking interest in something he thinks uh, is negative to you, remove access from, of yourself, right? And the, I can't leave because of my family. I moved to Tennessee 20 years ago. People from California, when are you going to come visit? When are you going to visit? Never. I'm never coming to see you. My mother, <laughs> when are you coming back to see me? Never, mom. I'll fly you here. I'll have yeah. you driven here. I will buy you a house. I will build you a house. I will get you an apartment. Whatever, however you want to live, I will bring you here. I never you saw know, my mother. I'll tell you, John, I never, I'm never in the saw same her. place. And the, the few people in my family I still have communications with, whenever they talk that way, I'm like, tell me when you want to come and I'll get you a plane ticket. Yeah. I'm a terrible because friend. I'm not. Like, there's nothing for me there. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to take myself out of my business for a week or two or three, and I'm going to impair my ability to earn money. You know what I, when I do that, I'm going to be like, hanging out in the forest somewhere or fishing on the beach in Florida or down in Costa Rica fishing for Marlin or something like if I'm going to take myself out of my business, my operation, my homestead, I'm going to pay somebody to live here while I'm gone so that all the work I put into it doesn't go to shit in the middle of the summer when I'm not here to look after it. If I'm doing that, it's not to go back to where I grew up in an impoverished community where no one there has any intention of changing their life ever and I'm going to get nothing out of it. Yeah. And and when I said that to one person in particular, they said, well, then I guess you don't care about me. I'm like, I do care about you. That's why I want you to be somewhere where you'll get something out of it. Right. Because you either get drawn down or built up by the people around you. Yeah. And I know that place offers me and I hate saying it because I, I do love some of the people there, but it offers me nothing. It offers me nothing that builds like one of my things to be in my orbit there has to be a, something about you that I go, I wish I was more like this person in at least one way. And it's not elitism. It's not like narcissism or anything like you're not good enough. It's like I'm not that great. So there should be something that you can offer to, to draw me. And hopefully I offer you something back. Yeah. And there are people and there are places where the equation on that is a zero sum game. Like I'm not going to gain anything. And. I think it takes it takes people a while to get comfortable saying that out loud and actually meaning it, let alone doing it. But it is to me one of my like there's probably five things that are the keys to how I've been able to do what I've done in my life. One you said earlier, if I have if I'm gonna point I gotta do something, I'm gonna do something. Because there's probably only two things I can do anyway, and if I do the wrong one, I'll just do it carefully. And as soon as I figured I fucked up, now I learned something, now I can go do the other way, right? But, but the other one is to separate yourself from people that are drawdowns. If a person doesn't bring you up, you know, they might qualify to be an employee, but not a partner, I guess is one way to look at it. And certainly not a friend. Like we're not going to, you talk about this all the time. We're not going to hang out unless there's something to 
do when we're hanging out other than listen to you bitch. That's right. I'm I'm a terrible friend. Like if you want to be a friend with me, you have to come where I am. Because every day I'm out of here, it takes me and my wife physically three days to catch up. If I'm out of here, revenue is three times less. If I'm out of here, work is only done at a third. Even with the great people that I have, if you are not here, it does not happen. And you never make that money back. If I step out of the business for three days, the money never comes back. I might will start ramping the money back up, but that's three days of revenue that is down. It's all always, right? And everybody is contagious, right? Everybody you come in contact with is contagious. So you better make sure you want to catch what that guy's get, what he's putting out there, right? You see these people that you haven't seen in six months and you meet for lunch or whatever. What do they do? They tell you about all the miserable shit and about people in their life that you don't know. I don't give a shit about what's going on in your life with people I don't know. Just tell me some good shit. You have to add value. I got a buddy who wants to meet this guy. And I'm like, you've been here several times when you met him. He was here. I like, you know him. But if you want to be in this guy's circle, just like mine or Jack's, you have to bring value. You have to make something easier or do something like you want to. Here's a here's a simple thing. If you're an employee and you want to raise, find some shit your boss is doing and do that so he doesn't have to do it. Don't ask for shit. Don't even tell him you did it. I promise you he will know. You'll know. And when you accumulate that, it will add up. And before you know it, you are going to be making more money or you're going to have another task. And I've hired people that walked into an office and said, are you hiring? And I said, no, but they didn't leave. Yes. I fired a girl. I fired a girl once. Almost a knockdown, like drag out fight, like fired. Everybody's like, what the hell is going on? And she walked in here the next day after I fired her, sat on a sewing machine and ran that sewing machine, didn't say a word to me for three weeks and worked here another six months. She, I fired her. She just didn't stop coming to work. It makes me think of an episode of Friends. But <laughs> I digress. Let's take, let's take some, uh, a few questions here. Absolutely. Um, will Chuck be doing a medical challenge? Um, I don't know about a medical challenge. Chuck is overseeing all of the medical Yes, he will be doing tourniquet. Yes, there will probably be some sort of challenge. Also, yes, drag your buddy out of the field. <laughs> that's home. That's 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 uh, Homestead Medical, Chuck. Okay. Um, just thanks to Chicken Hawk Farmstead who threw us ten dollars in super chat. He says for gas money because YouTube's a bunch of lying pricks. I no longer run ads during our live stream, so thank you for that. If if, if one person in a stream does that, I'm far ahead of their bullshit ads. Uh, eight bear adventures. How many people have applied so far, John? Do you know, well, uh, that doesn't matter. Eight bear adventure because I haven't <laughs> seen your application yet. <laughs> I know who that is and he probably okay. knows better than I do. How many people have applied? Okay. Okay. It's a short form folks. Go fill it out. If you want to do it, you know, I mean, I told John when he started, I hope it works out really great because when we did the, the farm up in West Virginia for Perma Ethos, we basically we didn't even do like a challenge. You want to show up and do something, you can. Here's here's 110 acres. Figure out something you can do to make money and get going. And it, well, how much are you going to give us? Mm. How much money do we get to start out with? I don't know. How much money do you have? Here's a place to sleep. Here's enough food to not starve to death. Once a once a day, and otherwise you got to provide your own food. I got to provide my own food. There's a question coming. You're gonna love, I bet. Um, you know, um, go do it. Go do it. I mean, when I was 18, 19 years old, like you were talking about earlier, some of these things that people have put up opportunities to do, 
you wanted to blow me out of there with dynamite. I would have never left. Right? I, can, tell you, I can hunt. I can fish. There's a creek there. There's a field. Uh, and I can put in an orchard. I just have to get the trees. Yeah. Okay. It just, I mean, it would have been, my only thing would have, is this a trick? Is this a trick? Right. It's because if it's not, I'm, I'm your guy. Um, yeah. Let me, let me tell you also, on? go ahead. Let me, let me tell you also that eight bear adventures right there. That's a young man who is, I think he's 15 now. I would okay. trust my life to that kid more than most adults. I know he's trained up, he's schooled up. He's, he's whatever he does in life is going to be enormous. Like, Whoever in the future, his father is going to be very proud of what that boy does with his last name. Like those are those are the kids like we get these homeschool kids around and he's not homeschooled, um, yeah. but we get homeschool kids and, and young men like himself around and you talk to them and you're like, man, this kid is so smart. If I had if I had adults with that knowledge and that passion and that desire, imagine we could take over the world. Yeah, yeah. Where are uh, Builder of Castles is where are you on large tropical greenhouse? I don't know if that's a project you have in mind or something. I'm working on designs for someone else. How much earth moving can be done on your site? I have 10 acres. Um, we can move some earth. Um, unfortunately, the back area, the biggest part of the property, I have six septic systems out there. Yeah. Um, and I'm not I'm not we, I wouldn't mind maybe sacrificing one of those septic systems, perhaps. Um, we also have the upper hill. We can dig even if we put it in and we decide six months later we don't want that. We can dig. I have we have access to excavators. I have we have a, a skid steer on site here. Very interested in what you have to say. Are we talking four foot in the ground? Love to see it, man. OK, well, you know how to get in touch with them. And if you don't, you got to figure it out. Uh <laughs> How do you plan to feed all the people that participate in Homestead Apprentice? Well, I like to point out to Nicole when we do self-reliance festival, this is called self-reliance. Bring yeah. your own food. Um, yeah. No, we've got, we have a couple of uh, avenues and, and we'll be doing a lot also where we all sit down and actually have a meal together. I think it's important uh, for, for everybody to, I think that's important. We feed all of my employees here every day. Uh, oh, wow. We have somebody that cooks lunch and we all stand at a couple tables together and we all eat lunch and it's only 15 minutes that we stand and talk, but I think it, it it's important, right? We used to uh, every Sunday take a potluck and go to grandma's house. All of the cousins and the aunts and uncles were always at grandma's house every Sunday and then every Thanksgiving and Christmas. So growing up that was there. And I think that is important that the family comes together and actually has dinner together. Yeah, I, I I miss those days. That was something my grandmother's was the same way. Sunday, you didn't miss Sunday dinner. You just didn't do it. That was someplace you were expected to be. And, you know, if I did it for my family right now, I know right now what would happen. They wouldn't show up because yeah. everybody's in that treadmill mode, you know. And Well, my, my family has changed, right? The people who have my last name are not necessarily. I, get what I, have, fam I have family that doesn't have my last name. Um, and it sounds like David Hosfeld is volunteering. So definitely get with us and let us know. Uh, what you propose, David. And I'll just say on the feeding people things like people ask me, well, why is your workshop 600 bucks? Because you want me to feed you for three days? Yep. I mean, my biggest expenses are portage-ons and food. Yep. That, that you know, paying my presenters and all is, is a pittance compared to, to those two things. We spent just one meal, our, our uh, Friday night meal, we spent like 2,000 bucks on just the dinner. Yeah. For everybody. So when like, we would... When we would do small 
uh, parties, you know, 500 people we'd have show up. We would bring in uh, Shane from Smoke It All, for instance, one food truck wars two years in a row. I pay him $3,500 to show up with the truck. <laughs> Anything he makes past that, he keeps. Like, I don't take any profit off of the food. I never have. Um, yeah. And then if I want to do the break even, we're about five grand just to have those guys come in and feed everybody one, you know, whatever the portion thing that he's making is. Um, but during Homestead Apprentice, some of it is going to be that you walk up this hill and you process these rabbits and you take them back there. And here is a sack of wheat and here is the wheat grinder and you're going to grind this. And here is the wood burning ovens and you're going to actually cook your meals. And if it sucks, well, you're going to learn rather quickly and you're also feeding us. So it better not suck. And there will be oversight and guidance. Cool. Cool. Uh, uh, Courtney 89, Court Country says location. Be nice. They may have just showed up and not know who you are. <laughs> right, so you can find all the information at homesteadapprentice.com. When I put out uh, help wanted and hiring videos, I never put the address. If you cannot find me, if you don't have the wherewithal to click, you're on the Internet. The answer yeah. to everything is here. Yeah. If you can't take my name and find me, you're definitely not going to work arm in arm and elbow to elbow with me. Well, especially the name of your company. Yes. Right. If you put the name of your company, there's only one. I guarantee yes. you, you'll find it. And there's an address right on the website. And if, yep. if you can't navigate there, then you probably don't get a job. Well, we huh? did. We've been doing this since before the Internet. Like we used to actually have to communicate people, talk on the phone. I, I mean, I have every single day of the Internet in existence and I have history out there. Like I have 5000 videos on the YouTube channel here. Yeah, if they can't find you and people get pissed at me, I'll do the same thing. Like they'll they'll DM me on Twitter or something. And like that's just a bad way to stay in touch with me because I just don't constantly check that. But I'm always checking my email and I'll say something like, look, if you really want to know this shit for the show or whatever, email me. What's your email address? Yep. No answer. Yep. yep. No, you can't figure out Jack, the survival podcast.com. If you can't put those two together, I don't expect your, your question to be very intelligent. Guys are every, every night guys are like, how much is this thing? I go, the real answer is I don't know how much it is. I designed it. I tweaked it 12 times, made the patterns. I don't have a clue what it is, but you know, I do have this thing called a website and that's where you have to go to order it and pay for it. And if you're not willing to do that, like, the, and the yeah. and the beauty of it is with with the footprint that we have in the industry that and we've created. I, I guess I like I used to be a smart ass to be like the industry I created, but we really did create much of this industry that exists today. Um, and with that footprint, while while a dude's asking the question, twenty other people are already buying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just a real quick thank you there to Legendary Farm and Homestead for a five dollar super chat. Thank you. I don't I know love that. Them, I love the name. It's going to spur people to look because legendary, right? And then even if yeah. it's not legendary, you can weave the story of how we're turning this into a legendary homestead. I love, I love the title of your YouTube channel there, bud. And, and again, I don't know which channel he threw that to us on, whether it was for me or John, but either way, thank you. And yes, legendary farm and homestead. You guys should look that up. Anyway, uh, John, I appreciate you being with us today. Remind people one more time how they can apply uh, to be part of this challenge and uh, give them like the, you know, 60 seconds on what they're going to get out of it. Okay, homesteadapprentice.com. We've got great footprint on social media. Check us out. See if you want to attend. If you think, man, I would be great in this, but I'm not a participant, but I'm a great expert guy, 
hit us up, man. We'd love to talk to you. If you want to come out, you can only make it out part-time and you want to help on the back end, hit us up. We can definitely discuss that. Uh, SOE Tactical Gear is my website. This is my YouTube channel, also SOE Tactical Gear. Your URL should say what you do and do what you say, SOE Tactical Gear. That is my footprint on all social media. I do a live video every night at 9 o'clock. We can discuss little politics. We can discuss current events, homesteading, business design, lifestyle design, anything you want to talk to. I run those literally every single day at 9 o'clock every day of the year, uh, and we run for two hours. And those conversations are driven by the comments that you guys put through there. So we can talk about anything. I'll be there tonight again, nine o'clock. Great, John. Thank you. I want to real quick close up here again. If you're on John's stream, this is an episode of my podcast. So just roll with us. Um, one of the things I do is I do reviews on my website. So one of the ways I monetize my content and you can find everything that I recommend at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Today's item of the day are these little century 24 hour mechanical timers. They're about eight bucks a piece, and they're one of the simplest, easiest little pieces of automation you can use. And right now, I brought them around because what's everybody doing? Starting seeds. You know what I do with them for starting seeds? I automate my lights. That way, I don't forget to turn my lights on and off. I automate my irrigation watering from the bottom with a simple flood and drain with a pump that kicks on for 15 minutes twice a day. And I automate my heating pads. Like I have stuff in these little mini greenhouses to start my seeds so they're warm enough. I don't want those heating pads on all day long while the lights are generating heat. So the, the, the heating pads come on when the lights go off. I don't use any kind of complicated shit. I use these timers, and they come in two packs. You save like a buck and a half uh, over buying them individually. Every time I need at least one, I buy two. I have them on the shelf. If they break, I don't care. They're eight bucks. They're like an employee that doesn't sleep. They just do what you need them to do. So check them out. And remember, you can always support us no matter what you buy if you start your online shopping at tspaz.com. Another thing I got, you know, we're talking about homestead skills today. Um, my composting course, having nothing but great feedback so far. That's at homefoodsystems.com. Uh, that's a new business unit that we're building out. We're building a whole education platform for people. If, you, if you're on the video right now and you look, those two plants, one is in badass potting soil. I mean the best you can buy. The others in my compost, I shouldn't have to say shit. We teach you how to do this for 40 bucks. Uh, so do consider that. John, again, real quick, thank you for being with us today, man. I know pulling you out of your element for almost two hours, big deal. So, so thanks for taking the time with us. Always, man, always. And we had a question about your platform as far as your lives. That's YouTube, right? Yes, yeah. And, and I have John's um, official website. Is YouTube, everything in the show notes today, plus all the stuff for Homestead Apprentice, both for SOE and Homestead Apprentice. That'll be in the audio right down there in the video. If you look down in the notes, there's a link over there. If you click it right now, it, we're not done yet. But if it's not live with about half an hour after we end, which is going to be right now, uh, the audio end will go up and you can get all of the additional information. But if you can't get to homesteadapprentice.com, you're probably not going to make the cut anyway. Anyway, with that, thanks for being with us today, guys. Have a great day. Are they gonna bail awesome. you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better Let me show you a better way